<laughs> That's great. Well, once again, happy Mother's Day. Welcome to Four Corners. My name's Ben, and we are in our Hashtag Hope message series. And you're in for a real treat today because one of my favorite moms in the whole world is on the stage with me right here. It's my lovely wife, Jill, and mother to our four <laughs> children. Wow, you get, a, get wow. an applause. <laughs> Now, now, normally, when we get to the end of the message, I ask you to take out your Connect card. But if you're a mom in the room, would you go ahead and take out your Connect card? Trust me, you want to do this. Uh, next step E today, when we get to it, is going to be, I'm a mom, and I'd like a day at the spa. I'm a mom, and I'd like a day at the spa. Now, if you're not a mom, don't check Next Step E. If you are, why don't you go ahead and check Next Step E? You'll be way ahead of the game when we get there. Because, Jill, we are going to give away a day at the spa today. It's going to be awesome. Great. It's going to be really, really good. Now, Listen, Mother's Day is an interesting time um, for a lot of people. It's a day that uh, for a lot of us we celebrate, we have powerful, positive memories, but that's not true for all of us. I just want to take a moment and acknowledge a couple groups of people in the room that today might be especially hard for. Um, some, some of you in the last few years, uh, you lost your mom, and so you come to today and it's a little extra hard for you. This is my first year without my mom here on this earth uh, with us, and uh, it was a little bit difficult. And so if that's your situation, uh, we're praying with you and for you. Um, it can be tough. And then there are people in this room, and, and this happens a lot in our church, and my heart especially breaks for you ladies, um, those that would like to be moms, and yet you, you're, you have the challenge of infertility happening in, in your relationship, and uh, that's incredibly difficult to bear. And in a church like ours where we see kids all the time. I mean, our primary method of church growth is birth. Um, that, that's how we do it around here. But if you're struggling with that, we want you to know that, that you have our prayers as well. And then there's a final group. I mean, you see all these pictures of mom on, on Facebook, and you hear all these wonderful stories. And today we're going to talk to moms and dads and to people who don't have kids at all. But, but you hear us kind of honoring moms, and you reflect on your experience, and it wasn't all that great. I mean, the truth is, is you kind of looked at other kids' moms and said, I wish that was my mom. Well, especially today, um, we're, we're praying for you. Now, with all that said, Jill, we are going to talk about moms today, but not exclusively because we don't just have moms in the room. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to hold on to hope, how to hold on to hope when you feel like your boat's sinking. Now, we've had four kids in our house, four kids in our house. You ever feel like you were uh, kind of sinking a little bit? Absolutely. Share with me one of those times. If you, can't, if, you can't come, if you can't come up with any uh, times, I can give you a few that I recall. But uh, go ahead and tell us about a time that maybe you felt like you were feeling a little overwhelmed. Oh, goodness. Um, I know when um, Ellen was eight, we had a girl. And then six years later, we had three boys in four years. So um, once the boys started coming, that's when the overwhelmed feeling really hit, um, especially with boy number two. I remember... Um, Ellen was at school, Ben was at work, all my family had left, all the family that had come in for Max's birth had left, and um, Connor was 19 months old, and Max was like two days old, and I remember sitting there, and the last person had left, the door shut, and I'm sitting there holding this baby, I have a 19-month-old running around, and I'm just really thinking, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Yeah. Well, we had more kids than we had adults in the room, so we yes. were outnumbered, and then you <laughs> lived regularly feeling outnumbered. Let me ask you something, Jill. Do you feel like there is a pressure on women, especially moms, to, to be perfect? Do, do you see that? Did you feel that? Oh, yeah. I mean, to be perfect with the way you look, the way you, your kids look when they go out the door, um, the way your house looks, 
um, have a job, not have a job, you know, your husband stay happy. There's definitely a lot of forces that are, you know, making you feel like you have to keep it all together. Yeah, I remember how wonderful our daughter was every time we were at home alone together. But the few times she really acted out, she always did it in front of people. So, so like, I was, yeah. I was that guy that when we'd go to the store and you'd see that kid acting out, you know, you've seen him at the grocery store, right? Here's what I always thought. They're not good parents. <laughs> let, let me get a kid, and we're going to do it right. And our daughter was wonderful. She was so easy going and, and compliant, except for when we would get her in public. <laughs> and then and she was like, you know, demon-possessed. I mean, just to put it bluntly. And not every time in public. Usually it was in public with our church friends. Oh. And you were on staff, and yeah. so it was the extra pressure of, yeah, just it got... Yeah, there is this pressure, but not just on women, and we are going to kind of keep referring back to women and moms today, but there is this pressure, I think, to feel like you have it all together. And it's interesting that the pressure to feel like you have it all together actually makes the reality of life a little bit harder, because here's the reality. None of us have it all together. None of us are perfect. In fact, that's not even the goal. That's not the goal of motherhood. The goal of motherhood is not to be a perfect mom. The goal of, of following Jesus isn't to be a perfect Christian. The goal is, is to be able to be fully engaged and to engage what God has called us to be and do, which includes our own journey, our own development, our own growth, and of course it includes all those responsibilities we have. So today, we're going to talk about this sinking feeling, this draining thing that can happen, the loss of the spark or the loss of passion. But before we jump into some ways to manage that and understand that, I thought it would be important for us to look at some passages in the Bible, just three verses that deal specifically with the ideal. So we're going to talk about the ideal first, and then we'll talk about the gap that exists after that. You want to start? Yeah, sure. The first one is Colossians 3.23, which says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord, not unto men. And um, for me, when I look back and I remember that verse, and I remember what it was like having all the kids at home, um, I think a, a better way for me to have applied that and thought of that was um, you know, God, I'm tired. My house is messy. Um, my kids are screaming. I've got, you know, a million things to do, but just help me to remember that you gave me these kids and help me to remember that my heart is for you. And I want to translate that heart somehow to these kids that are screaming and tired and I'm tired and help me to remember that the last part of that is that I'm not doing this for my neighbor. I'm not doing this for my friends, for my parents. Help me to remember that I only need to please you. Yeah, so here's the ideal. The ideal is that whatever you do, it would do with all your heart. But what we're going to do in the, in the last moments of our time together, we're going to talk about the reality that happens when you can't fully engage or you're trying to fully engage and you don't have a reservoir of energy left. Right. This, we, we see this all the time with young moms, especially with several young kids in the house. Yeah. You want to. You're highly motivated. I mean, the heart's in the right place. It's just the heart isn't fully full. And the idea of engaging all your heart is... It's a challenge. But like you said, the, the bottom part of this verse really does help us because it reminds us who our audience really is. And motherhood is a high calling. And honestly, in our world, I feel like sometimes it gets kind of, uh, well, it doesn't get the honor it deserves. And, and womanhood is, is a high calling. And in our world, it doesn't get the honor that it deserves. I mean, just in the last few days, we had a couple hundred young women stolen from a country. Um, just you know, pulled out of school 
because they were being educated. They were being pulled out of school, kidnapped. We have uh, slavery in Haiti, young girls in slavery. In our own country and around the world, there's sex trafficking. Womanhood, motherhood doesn't get the honor it deserves. And yet there's God holding up his ideal that women are made in his image, that he's called them and all of us with a high purpose. And if we can remember that he is the primary audience, I think it makes it easier. Let me take you to another verse that kind of sets the ideal. All right, so here it is, Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Now, this is a great verse. It's one of those that you can put on your refrigerator, if you will. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual energy high. Now, it's one of those things, Jill, that's easy to say and kind of hard to do. Absolutely. Keep your spiritual energy high. Now, not just the spiritual energy when you're in church, not just, you know, engaging the worship, but understanding that if you're a follower of Jesus, all of your life is spiritual, all of it. So all the things God's called you to do is a part of the way you live out your faith with him. And then keeping the energy where it needs to be. By the time we get done today, you're going to have a few ha- tools, to, uh, handles to grab hold of to help you do just that. Right. And Jill, there's another verse that you and I like a lot. Yes. And I love the way that the message translates it. Um, we've all heard, love the Lord your God with all your soul and your mind and your strength. And the message translates this verse to love the Lord your God with all your passion your energy, your intelligence, and energy. Oh, and mind. So one more time. Read that for us. Yes, I did it wrong. That's all um, right. Love the Lord your God I with all your... I wasn't going to say that. I thought yes. we'd just repeat it. Though. With all your... I'm trying to decide. Do I want to look there Happy or do I want to look here? Day. All right, yes. go ahead. Okay. Love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. Yeah. So the message is a, a, an English version translated from the Greek that puts it into slightly different language. And and the reason why we like this particular wording is is it gives us some ways to understand how we're to love God. So again, this is the ideal, and we're going to talk about dealing with reality for a lot of us. Love the Lord your God with your passion. There's that spark of that energy thing that I'm referring to today. With your prayer life, with your intelligence and energy. Again, this is the ideal, but the truth is most of us live a far cry below the ideal situation. So, Jill, we're going to talk about plugging the leaks today, the leaks in our energy. Moms, when we get done today, I'm hoping that you'll have a few tangible things you can do to kind of plug those energy leaks. Guys, it's not just for ladies in the room today. When we get done today, you're going to have a few biblical, God-oriented ways to understand why the leaks occur and what we can do about them. Because what God wants for us is our full engagement, our full spiritual energies devoted to the things that he's called us to do. So if you're a parent, that includes your children. If you're married, that includes your marriage. If you're working a job, it's working your job. If you're a student, it's school. It's engaging your neighbors around you. It's serving those less fortunate than us. It's living out your passion with your gifts and call. But the truth is, is everything in life, at least it appears to me, seeks to take that energy away, or as I engage it, I expend more energy than I'm able to recoup, or at least I expend it more quickly than I can recoup it. I can empty my gas tank quicker than I can fill it. So Jill, there's a, there's a handful of things. What's our first one? Our first one is the idea of schedule problems. All right, so you ever feel like you don't have enough time? Yes. Yeah. Still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. I feel it every Sunday when I'm speaking. Um, I watched the <laughs> clock count down, and I'm thinking, I have so much more to say. When I was a kid, and, 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 and we, were, we were in church, and the pastor would be kind of running you know, late. This is when um, digital 
uh, watches first came out, and they would all beep at the hour, and you'd start hearing at noon, beep, beep, all over the room. He'd say, will you give me just one more minute? If you give me one more minute, would you raise your hand? And so, you know, half the crowd would do this. He'd go, one, two, three, four, five. We're like, no, no, we're not going to give you all those minutes, <laughs> all right? Um, so let's talk a little bit about scheduling problems. So here's what I bet. I bet that for a lot of us in the room, we understand the challenge of managing time, feeling like we don't have enough of it, feeling like there's more day, uh, there's more responsibility left than there is day. This is, this is a real challenge. And when, when we are struggling with scheduling challenges, it can make us not only not feel like we're getting everything done, it begins to affect our emotion, that passion or that spark that we're talking about. For a lot of us in the room, you're right now, you're overworked. Like you're, you're overworked. The amount of expectation on you is significantly higher than anything you're going to be able to realistically sustain. Any of us can do it for a period of time. But when we have an extended period of time when the expectations on us are high, it's incredibly draining. Some of us in the room, I bet, I'm just going to throw this out, I bet you're underworked. I I bet for some of us, and and you may not think about it this way, but when you're bored because you don't have enough important stuff to do, that's a drain in and of itself. Scheduling problems, managing that, filling that hole, plugging that leak is all about balance. It's all about the appropriate amount of rest, and engagement, play, <laughs> and work, nighttime and daytime. The Bible talks a lot about the appropriateness of seasons. In Psalm chapter 127, verse 2, from the Living Bible, another English translation from the Greek, here's what the, what the Word of God says to us. I love this verse. It says, it's senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night fearing that you're going to starve to death, this compulsion that we have, that we just have to keep going. And I like this last phrase, for God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. Jill, it's, it's, it's all about balance. Mm-hmm. And um, getting rest can be a challenge sometimes when there's kids in the house, right? Yes, definitely. Talk a little bit about that for a second. <laughs> um, well, whether, you know, when they're young, it's really difficult to find time to sleep honestly Um, because when they are sleeping you want to do so many other things yeah the the stuff that you didn't get done because you're taking care of them now that they're in bed you've got to do the thing yeah i I see a lot of uh, young moms in our church with bags under their eyes right yes yeah you look great by the way i'm just uh (laughs) i just want to acknowledge that here here on mother's day but but you know having this idea of balance and measurement keeping the schedule appropriate as a way of managing your energy, managing that emotional energy, that spiritual energy, it's a real challenge. So so, so let me give you a way that it shows up spiritually. You see this sometimes in church. Here's the way I'm going to say it. So just on the side screens. All right, for the follower of Jesus, here's the way this works out. If you do like Bible study, constantly taking in information without doing ministry, serving other people, that's extremely dangerous because it's, it's... Going against the the law of balance here, you know, work, play, sleep, engagement, study, serving. When we get out of balance in any area of our lives, it's like a leak in the boat. And maybe you don't see it for a long time. When we were um, still living in Tennessee before we launched out into grad school, my, uh, my brother Greg, who serves on staff here, he bought a boat. And we have some beautiful lakes there in southeast Tennessee. And... Um, First time out on the lake in the boat, amazing, brand new, pristine boat. And it was, it, we were just flying, but we didn't, he didn't have a boat before. And 
What we didn't notice and, and what we didn't pay attention to is that we had forgotten to put the plug in the back of the boat, right? So the plug's that thing that keeps the water from coming in, and you have a plug so that when you pull the boat out and it's on the, the ramp, you can take the plug out, and any water that happened to have gotten in the boat can drain out. And so slowly, not right away, but over time, we notice it's sitting a little lower in the water. Right. And by the time water is at our feet, we're like, I don't think this is supposed to be happening. That's exactly the way it goes in life. You don't see it all the time. You don't pay attention to it. But here's what we can do. We can pay attention to our schedules and to the constant grind and to where our energy is going in such a way that we can benefit from the commitment to balance. You can do it spiritually with things like study and serving, not always serving. You do that, you're going to get what the experts call compassion fatigue. We have people around our church who, who do that. They serve so much. They're always giving out, but they don't take back in. And there's that secret. It's the in and the out. It's the rest and the play. It's the work and the vacation and making sure you do that. But we've tapped into a little tool in our own family, haven't we, mm-hmm. for managing calendar a little bit because it's difficult with four kids, a couple of jobs, you work, I work. What do we do? We have a calendar meeting. We have a calendar meeting. <laughs> That's right. We get together and we have a calendar meeting, usually on Sunday nights, and we talk about what's coming up in the next week, the next month. And then there's another tool that we use. We call it automating the important. So right up here on your side screens. When you automate the important, we'll talk about that, you bring consistency to what you say is important to you. Here's what we discovered. <laughs> that we say we want to do these things, and maybe we do them once or twice, but then it would go away. We noticed this um, in our finances a little mm-hmm. bit, right? So we have bills that come in all the time, and we used to sit down and have to make time to pay them. And then they came up with this incredible tool of automating withdrawal from your checking account to pay the bills that are recurring. Now, some of you don't like that, and that's fine, and younger people tend to, older people don't so much. All that, that's fine and good. But for us, automating our electric bill and automating the phone bill, the cable bill, the cell phone bill was an incredibly freeing thing. We still got the notices, but it freed us up. But you can do yeah. this in other areas of life. You want to share with them one of the ways we do it? Um, another way that um, a lot of people around here do is they automate their serving. How does that work? Um, you can let, you know, some people have said, you know, I'm good to work the first service, um, the second and the fourth Sunday of the month. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that's what's going to work for me. And, you know, there are going to be times that come up that that doesn't work. But that way, if you wait and say I'll serve when I have time, you will never have enough time. Um, it kind of just takes away the idea of um, urgency and just puts it into your routine. Um, so automate your serving is something that has worked for us as well. So for building, our kids primarily. Yeah, building. We normally schedule you every week. We do. I tend <laughs> to schedule every week. So building the routine and managing the calendar as opposed to being dictated to by the stuff going on in your life. That's the place we want to get to. Right. There's always stuff that comes up. But when you automate the important stuff, here's something else that we automate and then we'll move on to the next one. Jill and I have kind of automated our date night. So every Wednesday is date night for us. Now, let's be completely honest. We don't hit every single Wednesday in a given month. But we know that every Wednesday is already scheduled to be date night. We don't have to talk about it. We don't have to do it. And unless something else comes up that we've actually talked about, the default position for us is she and I are going to go our way and at least go to dinner and maybe catch a movie and maybe maybe do something else. But so we're probably hitting. We have gone to Lowe's as a date night. (laughs) I, Sorry. Don't, don't share all of our secrets, honey. My, 
it's my first time really letting you up to do this, and, and I'm going to make a little note here. No, I'm kidding. No, no we, we've, listen, we've done a lot of things, but the goal is for us to be together. Wednesday night, we're together without the kids. Right. Now, we just, we wanted to do that. We weren't doing it, but we just put it in the schedule, and we automate it, all right? So let's talk about a, another way, uh, a leak that happens, that if, if this is what we're experiencing, it's probably going to drain us and keep us from fully experiencing all that God has for us. You want to move on to number two? Yeah, number two is the idea of untapped talent. And um, if you've been around here, you're no stranger to the idea that um, we really believe that God has wired each of us with different passions and gifts and skills. And when we find that over time we're not operating in those, our, our boat begins to sink. We get a leak, and we um, need to kind of fill that. And so I know one of the verses that we have for this is First Peter 4.10. It says, Each of you has been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts to be used in the service of others. So use your gifts well. And um, when we were talking about that um, this week, as it relates to this message and mothers, this one is a little bit of a challenge because, yeah, you can say, all right, I'm a people person, and so I don't like to deal with, you know, maybe stuff so much, or I'm a, a stuff person. I like to do things, and I don't like to be a people person. Well, when you're a mom, especially with little kids, you have to do all kinds of things that you don't really want to do um, all the time. Uh, you have to be on call for those things 24-7. So you can't just work in your strengths, which is the sweet spot. Right, because I've never met anybody that says, my strength is changing diapers. That's really what yeah. I love to do. I actually thought that was your strength. Oh, yeah. That's why I let you do it no. so, so much. Uh, no. By default. Okay. <laughs> but it's, um, what we talked about is just it's, sometimes you do have to do things that you're not necessarily wired for for a season. And, you know, eventually those kids will not be in diapers, and you will be able to, you know, move on to those things that you enjoy. And in the meantime, I would just encourage all moms in the room that um, while your kids are little and you are in that season of, I'm doing a lot of stuff I really don't necessarily love and enjoy doing, um, find something else to do somewhere else so that you are away from that for a moment. So that, you know, uh, every couple, you know, Sundays a month or one Sunday a month or something, you are standing at the door just smiling and no one is pulling on your, you know, pants leg. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, find something to do that lines up more with your with your gifts. With the gifts and passion, because that really is the sweet spot. I, I bet you've had jobs where you are operating in your personality and your gifting and your call and your passions, and it's almost like not a job then. And I bet everybody in the room has had a, a responsibility on your list that really was outside of your passion area. And yeah, you can do that. All of us can do that for a while. But eventually that begins to drain us. That's why, as Jill said, around here we're so committed to having, helping people find their gifts and call and their passion, and then serving the world, serving the Lord out of that. Um, real quickly, if you don't use your gifts, it's like springing a leak. You, you, you start to sink, and we, we want that for you. So, so real quick, let me, let me just throw this out. It's possible that you, like the job you're working for, the, the one you're getting paid to do, is well outside of what you really want to spend your time doing. I'm not talking about going through a tough season, a personality challenge. We'll get to some of this stuff in a minute. What I'm talking about, though, is that fundamentally you don't like to work with numbers. You'd rather work with people, and at your job, your head is always dealing with numbers. Let me just throw something out to you. Don't, no, don't turn on a dime here. Don't go quit your job today. But it could be that what you need to seriously think about is whether or not you're in the right career. And you can begin taking steps now to move yourself into alignment 
into that energy, that sweet spot where the spark comes more naturally. You can begin to do that. So if you're not aligned, find some place for alignments. And as Jill said, for moms especially, we're going to in just a moment talk about how to carve out a little bit of that extraness uh, with one of the other tools. So let's, let's move on to the next one, Jill. Now this, this one is you might expect to hear in church. One of the biggest strains in people's lives that I get to hear is number three, unconfessed sin. We won't spend a lot of time here. But let, me, let me just make a, a quick statement. It's really hard to have the spark and have guilt at the same time. It's really hard to be vibrant and carry guilt at the same time. Very tough to do that. Now, the good news about Jesus in the world is that he forgives sin. He forgives sins to people who haven't committed their, their lives to him yet, and they first come to him. The first time they kind of bow their knee, and he covers that sin. But not just for those people who do it the first time. For those of us that did it a long time ago, that still discovered we're not perfect. He still covers our sin. So in the Bible, there's a, a passage where, the, where the, the psalmist, David, talks about the weight of unconfessed sin. So in Psalm 38, verse 4 through 6, here's what the Bible says. David talking here, he says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. He says, I'm bowed down and I'm brought low. He had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had had her husband killed, and largely he thought he had gotten away with it. And though nobody was leaning on him, there didn't seem to be any repercussions, internally he was struggling. Now, if that's you today, it's very difficult to have that vibrancy and that spark when there's stuff undealt with in your life, unconfessed sin in your life. So 1 John 1 and 9 says this, that if we confess our sins, our Heavenly Father is faithful and just to forgive us and to clean us from all that unrighteousness. Dealing with the guilt of your sin is one of the easiest and most wonderful things about being in a relationship with Jesus. That's one of the easiest ways to plug that leak in our life. So if that's you, here's how this works. In the next few minutes while we move on to the next point, you just bow your head quietly and to God. You say, God, I'm going to give you that thing. By the blood of your son, Jesus, would you cover that? And would you make me clean with you again? All right, let's move on to number four. This is a fun one, right? You got it? Uh, um, no, actually, you do. Oh, I, oh there's what it says right there, yes. Ben. Um, <laughs> active conflict. After, active, we almost had a little fight right there. Um, active conflict. Let me just say it this way very directly, that resentment, jealousy, and anger, they kill hope. Resentment, jealousy, and anger, they'll kill hope. They'll steal that spark. It'll spring a leak in the boat, and you can't get away from conflict. You're going to have conflict in your life. If you go hide yourself in a cave, live by yourself, you're going to have internal conflict. You're going to have conflict with the elements. If you're around people at all, you're going to have conflict. It's just a part of the deal. When Job in the Bible was going through such a rough time, his friends came around him and they gave him a lot of very bad advice. But a few times they landed on a nugget. You know, even a broke clock is right twice a day. And so in Job chapter five, verse two, his friends are talking to him. Here's what they say to Job. That resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. Resentment and jealousy, they destroy and they kill. If these are a part of relationships, you're leaking. You've sprung a leak. It's tough. And then in Job chapter 18, verse 4, they, they dealt with that other one. They said this, that you're only hurting yourself with your anger. 
The Bible has a lot to say about conflict, Jill. When we were first thinking about getting married, we sit down with a guy that has played a very uh, big role in our lives. In fact, he comes to this church pretty regularly, Mm -hmm. speaks on this stage, Dr. Bill Balzano. Do you remember the advice he gave us straight from God's word about dealing with conflict in our relationship? Yeah, the idea that, and it's a verse in the Bible, don't let the sun go down on your wrath or your anger, that before the day is over, um, try to work with that person so that you're not going to bed mad. Keeping short accounts is is the thing. Now, uh, a few years ago, uh, you or I I forget stumbled upon a phrase that kind of describes dealing with conflict because it can be, for me, I have to, like, I'll, I'll put up with it, put up with it, put, and then when I'm finally, like, I feel like I'm in the corner, I'll kind of deal with it. That's not really a healthy way. I, I tend to be like a pressure cooker, you know, takes a little right. while, but then I, my top blows. What's, what's the better way? What, yeah, what's there, the phrase? There was a, a book written a few years ago called Eat That Frog, and the idea is if you wake up in the morning and you know you have your list of things to do, and one of the things is you have to eat a frog. Um, Which would be a bad of, day, right, by ins- the way. Exactly. Instead of putting it off till the end of the day, Knowing all day, I have to do this horrible thing. I have to do this horrible thing. Um, letting that drain you all day instead of the good moments during the day. In the back of your mind is, oh, dang it, I have to eat that frog. Just get up, do it first thing, and be done. And so the idea translates here with conflict is if you know there's a tough conversation you have to have or there's something that you have to do that's not fun, just do it. Like you said, just do it. Get it done. Deal with it. Otherwise, the leak is happening. It's like... It's like my brother's boat going across the lake. It's a beautiful boat, costs a lot of money, but we're slowly sinking. sinking. Go ahead and eat that frog. Now, this next one, I think every mom in the room is going to be able to relate to. Every guy in the room is going to be able to relate to. In fact, this is universal, and it kind of harkens back to some of the things we were hinting at. What's number five for us? Number five is um, you will leak if you don't have enough support, if there's not enough support in your life. Um, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says that two are better than one. Because if one falls down, his friend can help him. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. And as we were talking about this um, talk, I was reminded, you know, when, when our kids were young, we were in a small group, and it seems like everybody else in that group also had young kids. And, you know, even though they weren't at my house when, you know, telling me, go, oh, go take a nap, you know, you, know, you can do this, um, they were still living life with us. Um, if you said you were tired, they knew exactly what you were talking about. Um, they were there to encourage me and, you know, pull me along and occasionally bring a meal, you know, when a new baby would come along and we would do the same for each other. Um, so that idea of support was just crucial, especially in those early years. Having a group of people around you generally going in the same direction makes a huge difference. You know, encouragement is a lost art in this world. To encourage somebody means to literally lend courage to them, to come along and support them. Moms in the room, you know how powerful it is when maybe your husband or a close friend comes along and says, hey, I'll I'll watch them for a few minutes. This is not just a mom principle. This is a life principle. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says it this way. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together and let us encourage one another. Do you hear all that together language? This is a place where church is especially uniquely suited to help rally around a group of people generally going in the same direction as you are is incredibly powerful. Jill, in a few weeks, we're going to launch small groups. Mm -hmm. And in small groups, um, there's incredible power of support. When this church first started, it was a small group. Literally, it was a group of people that met in our home. And every one of them agreed to help us start this church. 
And in those early days, there was some real tension around calendar management, energy management. And if we didn't have that group of friends around us speaking life and encouragement and helping us shoulder the load, mm-hmm. I, I really don't know what would have happened. What, what would you say to moms who maybe don't feel like they don't have all the support around them that they need? What, what advice would you give them? Find people that are in the same area of life that you are in. Find other moms um, who can relate to what you're going through. And uh, not just that, but I remember um, when our church first started, um, I had talked with a lady that's still a very dear friend of mine, and she had four kids. She had a girl and three boys, and she was still alive and breathing, and she had made it, and her kids were healthy. <laughs> and just knowing her, um, even though, I mean, honestly, we didn't really have that much in common other than the birth order of our kids, and she had survived it, that just, I don't know, it just kind of gave lift to can do this. Jill, every month I meet with a group of pastors who don't live around here, don't know specifically what's going on in our church. I, they only know what I tell them. So by the way, we're an incredible church when I talk about it. <laughs> but, but they talk about their stuff and I do talk about our stuff. And just that encouragement that happens now, it takes time to carve out to do that. But this yeah. is one of those places where you fill up quicker than you spend out. Right? Definitely. So uh, unlike the mismanaged calendar or working outside of your strengths, this one fills you up. Whatever you need to do to rally around a group of people generally going in the same direction with you, to love them, support them, and to receive that same love and support, it'll be worth it. So right here on the side screen, let's look at our five spark stealers, five leaks to repair. Here they are. Take a look at them. See if any of these relate to you real quickly. Schedule problems. Untapped talent, not working in your strength. Unconfessed sin. Active conflict or not enough support. Now, now, now here, here's what we're going to do in just a moment. We're, in, in just a moment, not yet, we're going we're to take some steps together. But I just want you to, to look at those. And just may, maybe in like 15 seconds of quiet here when I get done talking, ask God, which of these can you actively move forward on? Which of these leaks could you begin to repair? So, Look there with an open heart for just a second. God wants us to have vibrant, vital, spiritual vitality, emotional vitality. It's incredibly hard, but that's what he wants for us. And so if that's not where you are, Maybe one of these things is something you can deal with. Maybe, maybe there's something else. But God comes alongside us and helps us. A relationship with Jesus doesn't just secure our eternity. It brings the power of the Holy Spirit into our lives here and now. Not just to help us, which would be great, but to mold us and shape us in the middle of our difficulties and to come along and help us as well. So why don't you do this right now? Why don't you grab out your Connect card one more time? Let's take a few steps together as a congregation. Every week around here, we want to give people a chance to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to agree with what the Bible says about you, that you're not perfect, that you make mistakes. The biblical language for that is that you are a sinner and you need a Savior. And Jesus' death and resurrection opens the door for us to receive the grace of God, have it applied to our lives and secures our relationship with God for eternity but here and now. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your leader and your forgiver, your Lord and your Savior, I want to give you a chance to do that. Around here, you simply check next step A, 
And when the offering bucket comes by at the end of our service, you put that card in there, and we're going to communicate with you about what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus via email. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. You can use my words. You can use your own to look to God and say, God, I'm a sinner. Wash me clean. Forgive me. I want to accept what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection. I want a relationship with you. Or how about next step B? I want to get baptized. If you have questions about baptism, you want to get baptized, check the box, put the card in the offering bucket when it comes by, and we'll communicate with you. And we'll celebrate with you what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus. It's a party atmosphere around here. You haven't been baptized. Go ahead and check next step B. Or how about next step C? This week, I'm actively asking God to help me repair my leaks. This week, I'm asking God to help me actively repair my leaks. I don't know which of those five. Maybe you identified something else. But if you check that, the staff and I, our prayer team, will rally around you in prayer. And I'll send you the list and a couple of verses via the email and the follow-up to this next step as a way of keeping in front of you what you felt God impressing on your heart today. How about next step D? We talked just a little bit about this. But I bet a few of you in the room, you could help create that environment of love and encouragement for others through leading a small group. Around here, leading a small group doesn't mean that you're an uber Christian, that you've got it all figured out, or even that you have a lot of time. It means that you're willing to invest in others. You're willing to either rally around a book or some video teaching material, and you just are willing to get to know people and be friendly. If you'd prayerfully consider leading a 4C summer small group, check this box. We'll be in communication with you. This is not a commitment to do it. It's a commitment to prayerfully consider and engage me in some conversation about that. And then finally, for the moms in the room, next step B, the one I told you about at the beginning, I'm a mom. And some time getting the royal treatment at a spa would be great. You check that. One of you are going to get a, a spa treatment at the end of our service. So let's pray about these things right now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace and mercy. God, right now there are people in this room who are dealing with the fact that managing time, dealing with conflict, having support around them, all kinds of leaks are happening in their lives, and yet we feel the call on our lives to have vitality, to be able to love you with all of our hearts. Lord, right now I lift up those people that are declaring, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, save me. Cover my sin with your blood. God, I pray for those moms in the room that you would let them know that we love them, that you love them. I I pray, God, for those moms who, who haven't been able to have kids, that your peace would be upon them. I pray for those that didn't have great experiences with their moms, that you would heal that, God. And this place would bring the honor and, and the dignity to women that you reveal to us in your word that you have. I pray all this in the name of Jesus, the strong and holy Son of God. Amen. Amen.